What up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and now also on YouTube. Make sure that Locked on Blazers is your first listen every single day, free on all platforms, available five days a week, the only daily trailblazers podcast. So come back every single day and make it your first listen. In today's show, we got some news, Anthony Simons injury news, the Blazers have had uh, signed a couple new 10-day contracts. And on Saturday, they got a win, snapping a 10, or 10, I'm giving a little gender, snapping a six-game losing streak. Only six, come on now. Uh, a big win amidst, amidst a whole bunch of tanking, and it's okay to celebrate. I want to talk about both those things. And then I want to talk about what Joe Cronin is doing. I don't know that we have fully appreciated uh, the sort of depths of which Joe Cronin is getting after it because he is certainly, certainly, certainly getting after it. So let's talk about the news. Anthony Simons is going to be out for at least one to two weeks. We reevaluated one to two weeks after an MRI on Friday, March 11th, confirmed that he had mild patellar tendinopathy. He's got tendinitis in his left knee. Uh, started as a quad injury. He was first listed out. He, the first game he missed it, missed it. The first game he missed was uh, with a with a quad contusion. Now they're calling it tendonitis in his left kneecap. Uh, his knees, he's, he's got a problematic left leg. He's going to be out at least one to two weeks. Uh, the the real, the, the sort of the real takeaway here is that this probably ends Anthony Simon's most improved player bid. Uh, you know, he was a fringe guy to be to be sure on making that bid, right? Like he was, he was going to be up against it. But I thought he had a very good chance to be on a bunch of ballots. Uh, certainly some people might have, have chosen him for that spot. But you know, he's going to miss an, another five, six, maybe eight games in total over those two weeks. Um, he's, you know, it's, it, there's a chance he doesn't play again this season, just based on sort of the timing and what they want to do. And it's like, if it's, if, if this knee thing is real, which again, I'm skeptical of the Blazers injury reports, but let's just take it at face value. If he's dealing with the left knee injury, there's not a lot of reason to play any more games. Blazers want to lose. So like, you know, it's, this could be the end of end season. I think it's for sure the, the, end of his chance to get some hardware. If he was going to get some, uh, if he was going to get an award, I think he's probably missed out on that, which is, which is a bummer for Ant, quite frankly, but, um, it kind of just, it is what it is. Uh, it's the direct, direction the Blazers are heading. It doesn't mean Ant didn't have a great season. It just means that it ended, um, in kind of this unceremonious way, but the Blazers have signed someone to replace Anthony Simons. They need some backcourt help. Uh, you know, they're playing pretty much have one point guard on the roster, one true like lead guard. Although Josh Hart did play a lot of lead guard on Saturday. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, just playing Brandon Williams, a 10 day guy who's been good. Um, but they just don't have, they could use some depth. Uh, they could just use bodies at this point with so many guys out. Uh, the, the Blazers injured list, like right now, the injured folks sitting on the Blazers bench, Ant, Dame, Nurk, Justice Winslow, Nazir Little, um, that's that team would would compete for a playoff spot. Uh, I think they might compete for a playoff spot next fall. But uh, the Blazers needed help, and so they signed Chris Dunn, a 27 year old who was the uh, fifth overall pick in the 2016 NBA draft. I, I straight up thought Chris Dunn was going to be really good coming out of college. Um, he played Carolina in the Sweet 16, so I that was like my one quick scout of him. I thought he was going to be out of Providence. I thought he was going to be good. Like that was going to be. Um, maybe not a star, but like a starting point guard, very good defensive point guard in the league. It took him a while to get going, you know, was traded from Minnesota and part of the Zach Levine deal. Finally, his last little bit in Chicago, like started to 
it started to work out for him, started to get it together. Uh, that was in that was the 1920 season. Uh, he had averaged two steals a game. His defensive metrics were off the charts. Like he just he looked like he was going to be a um, a if not a starting point guard, like a legitimate guard presence because of that defense. And then he signed with the Atlanta Hawks. He signed a two de- a two year deal with the Atlanta Hawks in the summer of 2020, and or the off season of 2020 that was the bubble year so that's like october the november october november is when it was when the uh off season was but he hurt himself in preseason hurt his ankle really bad ended up having to get surgery at the end of uh december of 2020 and only ended up appearing in four games in just 45 total minutes with the hawks and then was he opted into his he had a two-year contract opted into the second year and was traded and was kind of moved around traded to boston traded to uh traded to memphis and eventually waived and he's been a free agent since then like he's health has been an issue for him he hasn't really been able to stay healthy a couple years ago he looked like a really good defensive guard um I don't know that he's going to change lives, but I think he's worth the Blazers taking a flyer on. Someone certainly I was at one point super intrigued with, right? Like I, I was legitimately intrigued with with what Chris Dunn could bring. Uh, and the Blazers just need another ball handler. I hope we get to see him and see him a lot. Also kind of sounds like if, if they're bringing in Dunn that Eric Bledsoe's not going to play. Um, you know, if they, they have another veteran point guard, I mean, Bledsoe's like significantly better than Dunn. So maybe that's part of the problem is they want to lose. But like, if Bledsoe was close or healthy or or anything like that, they would you know they would be trying to get him those minutes. But if you know no Simons for two weeks, you just need some more help. Um, I I think Keon Johnson, while he's played a little bit of done a little bit of point guard stuff, and Joe, Josh Hart has done a little point guard stuff. Uh, you need another ball handler, and this is a way for them to get another ball handler on a ten day contract. You know, signing the hardship waiver because they've got signed on the hardship waiver because they've got all all these guys out for extended period of time. Like you get him in. You, you see what he can do, and then if if it works, you sign him to a second 10-day. I think they almost certainly will. There's no reason that they wouldn't unless – the only reason they wouldn't is like league rules stipulate. So sign him to another 10-day, make it happen, and then uh, then you'll see what you got from there. You get 20 days of, of Chris Dunn to see what it's like. But I think it means no Ant MIP and no, uh, no Eric Bledsoe – maybe no Eric Bledsoe appearance um, – we will see uh, if that happens, but it kind of the tea leaves suggest that maybe he's just it's never going to happen for Bledsoe here, um, and that the his Achilles thing's just going to hold him out. Uh, Drew Eubanks back on his third ten day deal. I'm not exactly sure all of the details of the Drew Eubanks. Uh, the Blazers haven't officially announced it yet. I would assume it's the same deal uh, because the Blazers continue to have guys who are out for extended periods of time. They're able to use the hardship exception. I was under the impression that Eubanks could only sign two, but I guess he'll sign three. I'll get clarification on that as of recording this. Just want to be upfront. Uh, I don't exactly understand the terms, but it, both of these deals, Chris Dunn and um, Excuse me, Chris Don Andrew Eubanks, both uh, reported by Adrianowski of ESPN and not yet reported, not yet confirmed by the team. Uh, I assume Monday or maybe even later today, but Monday, this is Monday, March 14th show. And I assume on Monday we'll get confirmation from the team that both of those gentlemen are you know, under contract and playing against the Hawks, et cetera, et cetera. So, so look for that, that that's your news. No ant for one to two weeks and, and potentially longer reevaluated in one to two weeks. So we're talking no, no time it's for two weeks and then we'll see what happens. And a couple new guys, 20 or one new guy, a 27 year old Chris Dunn in the mix, former high lottery pick, very Olshay of the signing and Eubanks back. The Blazers don't have any centers. Glad to see Eubanks back. He's, you know, he hasn't been super good, but it's the Shack of Troutdale. He's a fun story. I'm, I am very excited that he is still on the team. Um, 
The Blazers on Saturday, though, they won a basketball game, and it has been a while after six straight losses and some beatdowns. They hadn't been within 14 points of anybody, and they hadn't, other than that 14-point loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves, they hadn't been within 30. Within 30. Their closest second defeat after that during that six-game skid was 30. They were getting mauled by teams. So good to, good for them to get a win. Legitimately good. Uh, tanking be damned for at least one night in a win over the Wizards. Let's talk about that in the second segment. But first, let's talk about Bill Bar, the best tasting protein bar that there is. That's what they're doing. They're making delicious bars. Uh <laughs> You don't have to, you don't have, they're not messing around. They're just making stuff that tastes great. Like my, my personal favorite is cookies and cream. I also enjoy peanut butter brownie, but, uh, they got all types of flavors, salted caramel, coconut almond, raspberry, orange. You're going to find something you like, and they're all going to pack a punch. The average built bar's got 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, just four grams of carbs and, or excuse me, four grams of sugar and four net carbs, all tasty, all healthy. Go get yourself some, go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, let's keep it rolling here. We talked about the Blazers. We talked about the Blazers news, injury news for Anthony Simons, which happened at a Friday evening after we had recorded the, we recorded uh, Friday's show. We talked about the new edition of Chris Dunn. We talked about Drew Eubanks back for a month. For, he's going to finish out 30 days here in Portland. Speaking of, of Drew Eubanks in Portland, he played. He played because the Blazers played on Saturday and they won. They won 127-118 over the Washington Wizards. Just, just a straight-up fun game. Um, listen, always with this stuff, you can say, well, they're supposed to lose. Why did they do me like this? And I hear you. They are, they are indeed supposed to lose. I'm with you. They are supposed to lose. But this was fun. This was fun. Let's get into it. Fastest recap in the West style. The Blazers were up 18 at the half. One, excuse me, 72-54. They scored 38 points in the first quarter. We're up by 12. And then they stretched it to 18 heading into halftime because Josh Hart had himself an entire game in 18 minutes. Josh Hart played 18 minutes and 34 seconds in the first half. He had 28 points, six boards, four assists, and four steals in the first half. He had a monster game approaching his career-high production in the first half. But the Wizards, because the Blazers aren't particularly good, the Wizards made a little bit of a run, cutting it to 12 at the end of the third quarter and getting as close as seven twice in the fourth quarter, including with the ball, down seven. Rui Hachimura smokes a layup that would have cut it to five. The Blazers go the other way and score. They stretch that lead back up to 18, and they get their win. 127, 118. That's your fastest recap in the West. Josh Hart, after that monster first half, barely cooled down. Finished with 44 points, eight boards, six assists, four steals in 36 minutes. He was 15 of 21 from the floor, six of nine from three, and eight for eight from the free throw line. Josh Hart scored 44 points on 29 shooting possessions. He missed six field goals and scored 44 points. He was a monster, a monster. The Blazers gave him the ball and let him, this is eye test stuff, like I haven't like charted or anything, but it felt like Josh Hart just got the ball and got to create on the ball more. And he took advantage in the first quarter. 
He had a stretch where it was a little over 90 seconds. It was 95 seconds. He scored 11 points in 95 seconds. He was going nuts. Splashing threes, his first three threes, got to the rim, pushed in transition, relentless getting downhill, getting himself to the free throw line, getting himself into the paint. Like I said, attacking off pick and rolls. Coming into this game, during the Blazers' six-game losing streak, Josh Hart was shooting 29% from the floor, 7% from three and 67% from the free throw line. He was two of his last 27 in the prior six games heading into this game from three. Two of 27 from three. 0 for five nights, 0 for six nights. Hadn't made multiple threes in a game in, in two weeks, in six games. Hits his first three in this one and finished with six threes. A career-high 44. His previous career high was 30. He said after the game he'd wish he had gone for 50 because he's not going to have many other nights like this. And he certainly isn't because nobody has nights like this. Nobody has nights where they score 44 and miss six shots. And certainly not guys like Josh Hart who are going to be complimentary pieces. This was a bonkers night. He wasn't the only one that had a career high, though. Trendon Watford, career high 27 to go with six rebounds. Watford, 11 of 16 from the floor. 0 of 2 from 3. Hit all five of his free throws. Drew Eubanks, 20 and 12 to go with three assists. Brandon Williams had 10. CJ Ellaby had 10. Greg Brown, the third, nine off the bench. The Wizards playing without Chris Porzingis, sitting out the second night of a back-to-back in this one. were led by Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who had 26 points and hit five threes. Kyle Kuzma had 22. Corey Kispert, 15. Uh, Daniel Gafford finished with 14 points, but did not play well. Um, he They couldn't basically just couldn't play him down the stretch in this game. They had to either go super small or play Thomas Bryant. Uh, Rui Hajimura, 12 off the bench. Uh, Ishmith added 10 and 5 dimes. Ishmith gets a shadow just because he's someone that I like. Listen, two things. One, Josh Hart's not going to have many more games like this. Enjoy it. Um, uh, actually, let's get to this before we get to the Trent and Watford point. The Blazers are going to lose a lot of basketball games. They hadn't been close in a basketball game in a while. They had not been competitive in a basketball game in a while. Uh, if you listened to my show last week where I did how many more games are the Blazers going to win, this was one of the few remaining on the schedule that looked like the Blazers were going to be favored, or the Blazers were favored in by the 538 metrics. Like this was one of the few, of, at the time, there's 18 games, the Blazers were going to be favored in, fifth, in five of them. Uh, so, this was one of the five, and they get the win. Um, obviously, at the time, Ant was healthy and Chris Porzingis was healthy. That that changed things. The Blazers are going to lose. They're going to lose a bunch of games. I think there's a good chance that the Blazers catch the not a good chance, but there's a reasonable chance the Blazers lose enough to get to get uh, you know below the Kings. They could conceivably get below the Pacers, although I doubt it. Uh, they're almost certainly going to end up below the Spurs, who might mess around and make the play-in because the Pelicans are such a mess. Uh, Portland's going to lose a bunch. They're going to lose a bunch. They're going to lose a bunch on purpose because the franchise has built a roster that is not particularly capable of winning. They're going to lose a bunch just because they're going to go on the road and it's hard to win road games. Uh, You know, they're starting another long road trip today as you're listening to this on Monday's show uh, in Atlanta. It's like they're going to lose and they've been losing. And so the idea, it's like they got to lose every game of the failed tank. I just disagree. They need, they needed this for the vibes. Goodness gracious did they need it for the vibes like you just need to go to work every day you need to go to work you need it like you need it because it sucks to lose and it sucks to lose by 30 when you're non-competitive and then have to go back for a month with all these folks like the Blazers don't need to win they don't need to, I don't think they need to fill, uh, form habits you know Brandon Williams and Drew Eubanks and it's like CJ Hellby this the guys are not going to be part of the team part of the plan next year probably not on the almost certainly not on the roster Brandon Williams will be as a two-way guy but it's like they're not even, they're not, it's not like they're playing guys who need to 
many guys who need to develop these like great habits to be part of the rotation next year. They're just churning through it, Sam Hinkie style. They need, they will and need to lose just fine. So this one that was fun when Josh Hart goes nuts and then afterwards Trenton Watford grabbed the mic out of Brooke Olsendam's hand during the uh, post game interview and said he's the one 44 like Barack Obama <laughs> like they were having fun uh, uh, like Trenton Watford sat in the media room during during Josh Hart's post game interview to to soak it in a little bit and have a little bit of fun with his with his teammate they haven't had fun in a while the Blazers needed this one cling tightly to your joy uh there's a cynicism that gets sort of baked in when you're rooting for a team to lose. And the Blazers are going to lose a bunch. You do not have to worry about it. Um, they're going to get where they need to go just by virtue of not being particularly good. Josh Hart, you know, is probably closer to the 2-for-27 than he is of the 6-of-9. He's a career 30% three-point shooter. He's Well, that's probably not fair. He's probably closer to the 6-for-9. But, like, he's... He's just not going to have many more games like this because nobody has games like that. That was a monster, monster game. So... Even if you're saying, they got to lose. Why are they screwing up the tank? They're not. They're not. They just need to win. They played a bad team and they need to win. The Wizards are not good. The Blazers absolutely, just for the for the sake of these gentlemen's um, just quality of life. The Blazers got a quality of life win mixed in with six losses. Now they can go rack up another six losses. They'll get a quality of life win here in a couple weeks. So don't worry about it too much. The other point I want to make in this game before we, before we move on is uh, Trenton Watford has had back-to-back career highs. 22 and then 27. 22 in a game they lost by 43. Scored a bunch of, you know, got to the free throw line a bunch in the fourth quarter in Utah. Um, I don't put much on that one. But you could see it. You could see it. And I think you saw it here too. Trenton Watford knows knows what his he is supposed to do. He understands to you know to quote a phrase. I was trying not to say this. He understands the assignment. The Blazers need him to score. And in other places early in the year when he was when he was part of a more talented roster and he's playing regularly on a more talented roster, Trenton Watford wasn't looking to score. He was not. Um, he would get it and he would make quick decisions and quick moves, but he wouldn't look at the rim. Now he's catching the ball in places and trying to go up. Nothing has really changed with him. He's not more explosive. He's not, uh, you know, he's still ground bound. He's taking a lot of floaters. He's trying to beat little guys with power and big guys with quicks. Like he's not, he's not exploding up past anybody. It's still the same trend of Watford, but he understands, you can see the confidence growing in him that he needs to go up when he gets it because he understands the role. He says, okay, no ant, no justice, no, you know, like all these, all these folks that were out there before, like no Nurk, um, all of it. He's like, you can tell that Trendon understands and has a confidence to know that he has to step into a more primary scorer role, not a role he will play on a good team going forward, but a role that's necessary now. And to see him seize that moment, play well, play smart and have 27 in a win is, 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 um, there are silver linings during the Blazers' struggle to the end of the year, and, and Trenton Watford's growth is certainly one of those silver linings. And just for me, it's the comfort and confidence that he's playing with. It's not, I don't think his skill level has changed very much. In fact, he still kind of gets, uh, he'll run, try to run through someone's chest because he's not a great athlete and um, shoots up some flip shots around bigger guys just because he can't get loose in any other way. But 22 and 27, understanding the responsibility that you have to go score. He scores in transition. He can, um, you know, grab and go. He, if you, if you give him a little bit of room to the basket, he's powerful enough to get his shoulder square and score. Um, he's Trendon is growing before our eyes and getting better and gaining confidence as he does it. And that's what you want from a young player during a tank season. Trenton Watford truly, I mean, 
Josh Hart just had 44 missed six shots. Bonkers game. But Trent Watford, probably the silver lining of this whole Blazers stretch run, is like, oh, this is a dude that they got, an undrafted guy that they got, and to convert it to a real NBA contract, he's getting more of an opportunity, and he's playing darn well with it. So um, I'm not wearing a cap if you're watching on YouTube, but tip of my cap to uh, to uh, T-Dubs, to, to Trent Watford, because he's, he's, really, um, he's really, really been playing well. Let's come back in the third segment. Let's close out the show. I want to talk about Joe Cronin and what he's doing. I don't think we've just like put it out there. Joe Cronin has been really aggressive, like really aggressive in the way that maybe many of us wanted the previous regime to be. But but Joe is putting it out there and taking real risks. Let's let's have a moment to kind of put in context what the hell is even happening with the Blazers with Joe Cronin in charge. That's what we'll do to close the show. But first, let's talk about betonline.ag. That's betonline.net, rather, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Listen, it is the NCAA tournament this week, one of the uh, great gambling weekends of the year with the the round of uh, the first round. I was going to say round of 68, but it's it's more like a round of four that leads into a round of, of 64. But the, first, the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament, the Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament are, are perhaps the two best college basketball days of the year. For my money, I like the conference tournaments better, but so much, so, so, so much fun. And you can bet on all of the games on betonline.net. More props, more odds, whatever you're looking for, you're going to find it on betonline.net. So don't wait. Go take advantage today. That's BetOnline, where the games start. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked about the Blazers' win over the Wizards. Woo boy, was Josh Hart good. We talked about the latest news. No Amphrey Simons for a couple weeks. Chris Dunn joining the, the squad. And Drew Eubanks back for at least another 10 days. All of this, the moving in, the shaking, the young players, the 10-day contracts, it's all part of the Joe Cronin experience. My man is is taking the wild risks that perhaps we had previously wished Neil Olshay would. There was my criticism of the previous Blazers front office wasn't that they weren't good at it. In fact, I think Neil, other than 2016, the summer of 2016, that was a nightmare. I think Neil largely did very well. Like I think he he drafted decently other than the 2017 draft, but some of that's out of his control. Like he was really good at finding second round picks. He was really good at making small trades to improve the roster mid season, like legitimately good at saying, I built this thing. We've reached a trade deadline. We need to make a tweak because we need to get better. You know, this is what didn't work. Here's, here's like a minor deal. We can do it. The minor deals were his strength. The second round picks were his strength. He was an elite bargain shopper. You know what Neil wasn't? He wasn't a home run hitter because he didn't really take home run swings. He thought he could just tweak around the edges and make it happen. Joe Cronin's not tweaking around the edges. This is really aggressive. I don't think we're really appreciating, and this is why I want to close with this here today. Like, I'm not sure we're really appreciating how far Cronin has gone gone since being named interim GM. Like there's some, there was still some speculation. I think Jason Quick pretty much reported that this is Cronin's job. Unless something very strange happens, it's going to be Cronin's job, et cetera, et cetera. But like since being named interim GM, Joe Cronin has just has taken full grasp of this franchise and drastically reorganized it. He's trade away Norman Powell, trade away Robert Covington, trade away Larry Nance, trade away franchise icon CJ McCollum. And he didn't get back. You know, I was saying a whole bunch in this podcast that he's, you know, it's going to be tough because he's going to have to get like players that are pretty good, um, you know, now, but can really help in the fall. 
Cronin didn't really do that. He got Josh Hart, who's like a useful, complimentary, you know, borderline starter type. He got Justice Winslow, who's probably like a rotation player type. But the other, you know, Keon Johnson's a 19-year-old who's like an upside play. Uh, Dita Luzada is just is kind of a unknown guy in his early 20s. Like these are these are projects, developmental projects. You know, Elijah Hughes is probably not part of the plan moving forward. Joe Ingles, we'll see if he's part of the plan moving forward. For the most part, what what Joe Cronin did was trade for a chance to take another swing down the line. He took a big risk. He gave the Blazers financial flexibility. He gives them, you know, two probably two lottery picks this summer and a mid-level exception and the ability to bring back Ant, the ability to bring back Nurk. Like, this was the big swing. And then amidst doing all that, amidst the roster trade, he has undertaken one of the most aggressive single-season tank jobs we've seen over the last decade in the league. We've seen other teams tear it down. OKC and is in the midst of like a four or five year be bad on purpose, play a bunch of young players, get them developmental minutes, stockpile 150 million draft picks and go for it. Like the, the OKC is truly in, in like a multi-season rebuild that um, I, I don't think that gets enough. Maybe it does. Maybe people have come around to saying like, hey, what's what exactly is going on there? Because it, it's a lot like it's they're really going for it. The Blazers pivot from the first day of February to now. Dame out for the rest of, you know, Dame, as soon as Dame gets surgery, it was like, okay, yeah, this will be them kind of pivoting to being, to rebuilding. Cronin didn't just pivot to rebuild. He didn't pivot to, hey, we're going to be, you know, we're going to pivot to, to, to go for a draft pick. He's chasing, trying to be the worst roster in the league. I don't like... This is really, really, really aggressive. I don't think we are, I don't think we're fully appreciating how aggressive this is. This is not a, this is like, I, I, I've been using the phrase capital T tanking. This is all caps tanking. All of them damn letters are capital. Like, this is really something. You put out the worst roster in the league. You, you know, you, I don't want to sp- speculate on the injury stuff, but like, seems like a lot of good players are, you know, sitting on the bench with maybe things that they could have played through if things have had not been the way they are. Um, I'm not. I don't want to say that Nurk and Ant aren't hurt. I want to say that Nurk was playing really, really well with something that was a nagging injury, and then went on the injury list for an extended period of time during the All Star break during his downtime. That makes me think maybe this is a thing he could have played through in another situation. Every time it's had 38. Obviously, he had a left leg problem. He got, you know, took some bumps and bruises in that game. Again, I don't want to speculate um, too, too much about that, but there, it's out there. Like, people are assuming that the Blazers are being, let's just say this, the Blazers are being seemingly very, very cautious with injuries to their best players. Uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be libelous in this podcast because I really don't know, but I have my same suspicions that you do, dear listener. So, like, Really conservative with injuries, not putting, you know, not bringing veterans in to help, not signing veterans that maybe could help. I think Chris Dunn is the first version of this, like only going young, like only upside players, putting out maybe the worst lineup I've seen in my time around the Blazers, um, like across the entire league. I've been covering the team for this, my eighth season covering the team, like this is one of the worst lineups I've ever seen play consistently. This is truly, truly aggressive. What Joe Cronin is doing is what we all had wished, or at least I had wished that Neil Olshay would do. Is take a big risk. I don't think that there is a clear path out of here for Cronin. 
I don't think that, you know, there's like an obvious way you get this draft pick right. Like even if they get the number one pick in the draft, you get this draft pick right, you make this trade, you, you know, you sign this guy with your mid-level money, you bring Nurk and Ant back and you're a champion, you know, like, or you're in championship contention. I don't think there's a path there. I think there's a chance that they're not very good yet again. But you know what Cronin's doing? He is taking the risks of maybe this doesn't work, but this is our path forward. This reset, this hyper-aggressive tank job, these, these losing these games and losing these games faux show killer, like taking out any chance if they play any team that's relatively competitive, apologies to the Wizards, like removing all doubt against competitive teams, particularly competitive teams on the road. This is as aggressive as we've... as. This is a, as aggressive and as concerted an effort to lose basketball games as you will see. The Blazers are really going for it. This is Cronin's job, Cronin's mold, and as he grabbed the reins midseason with the interim tag and said, let's trade a franchise icon, let's lose like hell, and let's just rebuild this whole damn thing with my plan. Uh, you know, the last two biggest acquisitions that Neil Olshay had made, Robert Covington and Larry Nance, out the door. The $90 million contract that Olshay signed, I mean, Cronin's part of the front office at the time, but that Olshay okayed with, with Norman Powell's people, out the door. CJ McCollum, Neil Olshay's prized draft pick in the 2013 draft, out the door after a decade in, in town. Cronin is making this team in his image, and he's doing it in as aggressive a way as we have seen. So... Not even a value judgment. No no tip of the cap. Like I'm tipping the cap to Trenton Watford. Just like, let's appreciate what this is. This is a guy going for it. Absolutely freaking going for it. In a way that I don't, I do not recall seeing in this condensed of a three-month window. This is as aggressive and as wild as we've seen. This is, this is not, this is not tanking like other teams do. We have not seen this truly, truly happen. The way the Blazers have pivoted from We've seen teams say, hey, we're not going to do it. Let's play young. But the Blazers went from like playoff hopeful to the worst team in the NBA in about six weeks. And they did so intentionally behind the backing and the plan of the of the man in charge there in Joe Cronin. Pretty darn impressive or at least aggressive. And I, I salute the swing while recognizing that it's equally likely that it's a strikeout, even more likely it's a strikeout than it is a home run. That is going to do it for today's show. This week is going to be a ton of fun. Uh, if all things go right, we've got three uh, interviews lined up. Candace Cooper of Locked on ACC is going to join the program to talk about uh, the ACC and the, and the Duke guys who are going to be in the top 15 in the draft. Uh, Raphael Barlow of uh, Locked on NBA and uh, the big board director of scouting for the big board is going to join the program. That's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, we've got one other interview hopefully lined up. So come back. Tell your friends five days a week, wherever you get podcasts. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.